0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like Mitchell edits very much because we're really good, you see. He doesn't have to do very much at all. And uh, <laughs> what usually happens is he just wastes time. He just procrastinates and he's actually on YouTube and things or he's reading Reddit, usually. Um, reading Reddit yeah. and watching cat videos but on he's, YouTube, right? Yeah, but his excuse is I'm, I was editing the podcast. You know, that's what he okay. tells everybody. It's a complete lie. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Conf T with ERSE, recorded Thursday, February 6th, 2020. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and today we're going to talk about protecting Talos. Joining me today is a special guest, Nigel. Nigel, how do you pronounce your last name? I don't want to murder it's it. Horton. It's uh, Horton. Yeah.
0: It's one of those weird English things, you know? <laughs>
1: Well, that's why I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> but uh, Nigel, um, I've uh, if anyone who's listened to the Beers with Talos podcast will recognize your voice, I'm sure, uh, as the uh, the fan of the Mighty Reds. That's right. Always having a, a comment there. Any actually, before we get started, um, mm-hmm. any comments on that? Are there any games they're playing soon? Or we um so uh, we we just
0: won an FA Cup game uh, on Tuesday. FA Cup replayed the Cape we put the kids out there to play because the senior players have got a week off this week. So I've got no football to watch this weekend. So who knows what I'm going to get up to, you know, could be a disaster. <laughs> could be very bad for, you know, in general, but uh, yeah, we're back in, back in action uh, a week on Saturday at Norwich. So
1: nice. Very cool. Yeah. I can't say I follow it. I've uh, my sons have started playing hockey. So we've been, we've been big into hockey lately and uh, the Rangers aren't doing as good as we'd hoped they would, but you know, <laughs> It's 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 not the end till it's the end, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. But yes, Nigel comes from us from the Talos organization. Um, be sure to check him out on the Beers with Talos podcast. Uh, they they publish about the same time we do every every two weeks or so. Um, but Nigel, you have a very unique position uh, within Talos and by proxy within Cisco. Uh, why don't you tell me about what it is that you do? Uh, and just kind of, you know, how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. Um, so I am in charge of Talos uh, Operations Security and Services. And what that means is that uh, at Talos, we run all of our own uh, network infrastructure and and uh, things because um, they're out of necessity, you know, where mm-hmm. because of the nature of work that we do uh, and the things that we have, Um, it's not the kind of thing that you want flying around, uh, it's a Cisco corporate network, for example, you know, um, we have lots of malware, uh, and exploit, uh, code and things, and, uh, quite a bit of that stuff that the, our analysts have to use. Um, you know, for example, you know, if, if, if you think about it, our analysts, our analysts need to visit, say, um, sites. You know, on the internet, you know, you've got uh, some of our products which will block access to certain sites because maybe they're downloading malware or whatever it happens to be, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, you'll get um, things things as simple as a dispute, right, from a site owner that says, hey, people can't get to my site because your stuff is blocking it, All right? I think you're out right. of order or whatever. They have to go check that. Well, right. if, if, if you're trying to do that in the corporate network, you're never going to be able to get to the site because we're blocking
1: it. <laughs> right <laughs> you know you know they're actually blocking my my website show. oh, oh yeah. my i i had to change registrars because uh, apparently it's a it's redirecting to the registrar for uh, you know the IP address is registered to the registrar to redirect, uh-huh. and apparently it's a shared IP that they don't like. So right. I'm changing it over. But yes, I'm I'm in that boat. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean.
0: <laughs> so you know, so, so something as simple as that, and obviously it gets much more complicated uh, when right. you're talking about using malware, especially whatever you're doing there. How that reaches out to the internet, for example, um, all those kind of things, and and just even storing malware in a location that our researchers can get to it. Um, would present, you know, presents problems and issues that you really don't want to have on a corporate uh, network as large, especially one as large as Cisco's. You don't, you know, want a risk, run the risk of anything kind of breaking out and and creating havoc on that, you know. Um, but we ended up uh, getting to this point, uh, taking us many years to to get where we are today uh, with everything that we do, um, and it started really. Back when we were at Sourcefire, and and we were acquired by Cisco uh, five years ago now, five and a half years ago, um, mm-hmm. and we were already doing this, so we we already had uh, our our stuff was separate to the Sourcefire corporate network for the same reasons, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the things that we were doing back then, you know, again necessitated us the, that. Uh, that change to be made, you know, for make, making sure that we're not running around the corporate network, firing exploits off and things like that. Uh, we did have you know, a couple of um, examples of things happening on the corporate network that uh, maybe shouldn't <laughs> happen, you know. Uh, nothing yeah. nothing horrendous, you know. Um, there was one time where our then our then founder um, and benevolent dictator, Marty Resch, came out of his <laughs> office and, and said to us, hey, you guys noticed anything weird about your your Macs? We're well, like, no. Why? He said, <laughs> Well, mine keeps rebooting every now and again, and I can't figure out why. I'm like, yeah, I don't don't know anything about it. You know, we're not yeah, you know, it's we haven't seen anything. But anyway, this this kind of kept going on over the course of about a week and stuff, and we're like, well, it's a bit confusing. And then um, at the time, uh, Judy Novak was on our, our team and she was actually doing some research into uh, how to identify systems on your network and became the RNA product and stuff. And she was doing some research on that. And what she was doing was sending out some uh, broadcast messages on the, on the network right, to, to gather information. And apparently uh, your, the Mac OS did not like it. And uh, when it got this message, this broadcast message, it then decided, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, reboot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. yeah, you know, so that was a, a, you know, contact Apple, let them know, hey, you know, here's this information. But, yeah, you know, kind of little things like that. But if you can imagine doing that on a... You know that if that kind of stuff leaked out on something like a a, a giant corporate net like Cisco has, then you you be in right. chaos. Just something as simple as that it wasn't anything malicious going on, nothing like that. So, you know, you you've got to kind of figure out. And that was many many years ago. And you you got to kind of figure out. Well, if our researchers need to be able to do these things, where can they do them? How can they do it safely? Um, and how can they make sure that that kind of stuff does not break out onto a corporate network? And and you know cause havoc, right? Innocently cause havoc.
1: Right. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty big task. I, I heard a story. Um, it's, it's probably a a, 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 um, a myth, but I'm hoping that you can shed some light on this. I, I, the story that I heard was that when you guys were acquired by Cisco, mm-hmm. that you guys brought in a big server filled with malware samples and were basically yeah. like, okay, where can we plug this in? Correct. And they're like, uh no, you're not <laughs> plugging this in. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much yeah,
0: that's pretty accurate. Um yeah, yeah. so we've been we've been collecting malware uh, via the Clam AV project for, you know, however long now, 20 years or something nearly now. And right. um over that time, you know, we've collected uh best part of you know hundreds of terabytes, petabytes of information. Um all of it, you know, is, is malware that um, we still use, right? Even though it could be very, very old, we still use it in you know, regression testing, ClamAV and things like that because ClamAV has right. to work with everything, right? It starts to detect yep. stuff even as old as it happens to be, right? Um, and so, yeah, we have this giant store of malware and uh, you, as I say, we're going through the, the uh, integration process with Cisco IT and stuff and we're talking to them about things and then we said, yeah, you know, I've got... Uh, I have this, and they said, well, well, what's in it?" I said, "Well, it's a it's the best part of a um, few hundred terabytes of malware," and they said, <laughs> "What? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, it's malware. We have to have malware. You know, the researchers like have to be able to get to it, and they, you know, they they download it and whatever they need to do, and they, you know, uh, kind of dissect it and and you know disassemble it and things and all that, and they're like, uh." Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to talk about this. We we can't no no. <laughs> so, uh, they were rethinking that they, acquisition right at yeah. that moment in time. Right. Yeah, right. The the look of horror on their faces was you know it's kind of priceless, but it was because it was something that they hadn't kind of come across. It was obviously if you don't have a company yeah. that deals with that kind of thing, which Cisco didn't at the time, then. Right. You know, it's a new thing, and 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 the look of I mean, we say and you know, and and, and I'm trying to say something. To listen, no, it it it's not as simple as just grabbing a piece of malware, right? You know, we do do things, and it's not like anybody can just go and grab it and 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 you know, download it, and and we take precautions and blah blah. blah. But because it's something new, and they hadn't seen that, it was kind of like, ah, no, right. Uh, yeah, we, that's scary. Understandable reaction, right? Of course. Um, and so you know, we we kind of explain to them: here are all the things that we do to safeguard that information. Right. Not everybody can get to it. Um, it is segmented off, and even you know, and now you know our malware zoo is: we have our own within Talos itself. We have a a separate malware network, right? So you mm-hmm. can't just get to that store of malware on from from the Talos network either. There are, you know, precautions in place, and it, you know, it's uh, diff- on different hardware. And uh, if you have to get to it, there are only certain users who can actually get to that information, and you have to be plugged in at the right place. And th- that's one of the reasons why at Talos we also are behind our own closed doors, right? So, um, right. you know, as you know, most of if you're a Cisco employee, you can use your badge get into Buildings all over the world, right? It's a really cool system. Um, if you're, right. you know, doing any traveling with Cisco and going to different offices, it's very cool. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, we have in, in our Fulton offices uh, a set of doors which only Talus personnel can open, right? And one or two other people. Uh, and it's for that reason because you don't. Want somebody, as you know, with Cisco offices, if you're it doesn't matter who you are, you can enter the office and use the office space for to do your work and stuff and you know, whatever you need to right. do. Um, and even to the point of you know, the sales guys and things, they'll bring in customers and and you know, do all that kind of uh, stuff in, in any office, right? It doesn't matter where it is, you can go to it. Um, and what you don't want is people coming in, um, especially customers. And mm-hmm. plugging into a network jack or or whatever, and you know, getting infected with malware. <laughs> I mean, that would be, I'm told, that would be really bad, you know. But yeah, um, that might be a bad thing. Yeah, it would not be cool. Uh, so th- for that reason, you know, one of the reasons that we have that is because, is is you know to make sure that nobody just kind of wanders in and plugs in. Right. right, and then hey,
1: I, I think of it kind of similar to like the, the CDC, right? Like yeah. we're we're talking about this, and I'm like okay, thinking of. You know, images of these clean rooms where they've got these special suits and you know their own oxygen supplies, and you're you know you're taking viruses and diseases and storing them in very special specific places. Like, it's the same concept, just in a you know different different medium. But it's the same concept. It's exactly the same concept. Yeah, it's a um, you know that's exactly what we are doing
0: with with all that kind of stuff. Um, And then there's other things too. You know, obviously we have uh, collections of exploit code which don't need to be. Accessible to anybody outside the group, either, um, right? You know things like that 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 uh, you know you could happen on if you were on that network. Let's say um, even to the point of you know if you kind of blundered your way into some of the um, uh, kind of I'm not I'm not sure you want to call it cyber ranges. It's kind of a different thing that goes on, but uh, you would you would see exploit code flying around a little bit, right? So. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to blunder into something like that. Um, and then we have lots of other information from other vendors and things which we have to keep separate. We can't, you know, uh, under agreements that you have non-disclosure agreements, things like that. Um, we have a group within Talos which actively uh, looks for vulnerabilities in in software. You know, software that yep. that you know our customers use and things like that. We want to make sure that that uh, we're, we've got that being covered that we were able to detect any um, exploits against attempts against that kind of thing so that group does their work there's information that those guys have that obviously doesn't need to be going outside of our group again right so um, and one thing that that uh, I should probably make clear here we we are not the group that looks at Cisco products Right. That's a completely separate group.
1: Right. It's nothing. you're you're not you're not punching holes in the Cisco products looking for exploits there. Correct.
0: Yeah, we do not do that. And and it's a confusion. Sometimes people think that it's us that does it or whatever. We don't we don't touch any Cisco products at all. Um, We get information from that group uh, who does it, you know, uh, about what's coming out and things. So we can make sure we have protection for for Cisco customers. Um, But, Mm -hmm. yeah, we don't do that. But well, we do look at other things, right? So there's information there. There's uh, We have information from other vendors that they give to us that uh, obviously needs to be kept separate, again, even within Talos, you know? So there's lots of measures that we take internally to protect information, um, much like anybody else would, would do in their environments, right? So um, we have uh, obviously people... All over the place as well. So we have more than one office. So we have our main one in Fulton in Maryland, and then we have mm-hmm. um, a development organization in San Jose in the in Cisco's campus there, and mm-hmm. then uh, we have our outreach group. who are based out of Austin, Texas, um, and then on top of that, you know, we do have a lot of people who work from different locations around the world, uh, right. especially the. Um, the, uh, Cisco Talos IR group, they are, they are all over the place, you know, obviously all, of, all over the United States and, and all over Europe. Uh um, right. we have researchers in Europe as well. Um, you know, we're branching out into the far East and stuff. So, you know, they're, we're, we're kind of all over the place. So we have our own solutions to get them information, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's we're not on a piece of net on a network that you can get to from the corporate talus net uh, corporate Cisco network. Right. So you can't get right. to the Talus net through those means. So uh, we have our own, you know, VPN information um, and locations that, that the guys use that they can get onto uh, Talos net and, and do what they need to do. Uh, and even from within that, depending on who you are limits, the information that you can get to. Right. So, it's not just a, uh, you know, you're in Talos, you've got all of this stuff, right? That doesn't happen. It, it, It's kind of a, you know, you're working on a need-to-know basis. So if you're not in the group that needs access to uh, vulnerability information, for example, then you don't get access to the vulnerability information. If you're not working right. with malware and, and reverse engineering malware, you don't get access to the malware either, right? So there's lots of things, you know, within that, within our network that we do, uh, to to keep things secure and to make sure that uh, you know information just isn't going all over the place and it's not freely available you know no matter what right um, we we have to kind of we take the approach of um, let's let's just assume that that your network is compromised and then take it from there right what could a yeah what could an attacker get to right never mind right. about the actual getting in and actually compromising your network let's just assume it's that way and then let's take a look and see what how we should secure things internally you know to make sure that information doesn't get out
1: that's a powerful assumption and it's it's a conversation i have with my customers all the time and it's why we need to go down that zero trust model where yeah. you know it's it's not just about protecting the edge the edge is getting blurry the services are moving out to the cloud you're 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 losing more and more control over the devices so you inherently cannot trust what's in your network, especially Correct. if you bring in uh, IoT devices. I know you guys have had a lot of conversations. Uh, I think um, Craig has the all-time record of—he's uh, one always getting trying to get be uh, killed by all of his IoT devices around <laughs> his house, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. We we have we, have, we have, um, a group within the uh, um, the exploit uh, vulnerability group who actually just look at IoT devices. That's their right. whole focus, right? Um they're the ones obviously we've tasked with trying to uh, kill Craig. Um they have not been successful yet. <laughs> um what uh yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's a big thing, you know, and it's growing and growing. There're a lot of things. What's I think uh, the way we, we saw with IoT devices, I think it's what is old is new again with that stuff. You know, there was a lot of things yeah. that you remember that we, we went through just with simple um, simple things that would knock over an IP stack back in the in the
1: nineties, you know, is yep. now relevant again uh, with IoT devices and that's probably why you guys hold on to malware that's 10 15 20 years old because right. it's going to be useful again later just because it yeah. was only executable on a Windows machine 15 years ago now you've got a, a wall side a wemo wall switch that has more processing power than a 15 year old computer yeah and it's running on a version of linux that hasn't been patched in uh, 5 years
0: right <laughs> yeah uh, the, all kinds of things like that you know it we and and obviously with with those too you know we we do allow things like you know um cell phone devices on your network right if you connect right. into wifi um you know how do you how do you make sure that uh that that is isn't going to compromise your network right it mm-hmm. Right, so yep. you have to think about those things carefully if you 're you know allowing especially with the the we 're in the era of bringing your own devices you know to
1: work um, I remember and- when that started we were we were just talking about that in the last episode it was. All about that iPhone launch, man. Yes. When 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 the executives saw those iPhones, their their BlackBerries became <laughs> old and decrepit and not cool anymore. And they wanted that iPhone and they're yeah. like, I don't want to carry two phones. I want to open my email on here. Yeah. And and like it was funny because at the last episode I was talking with a, a colleague of mine and we were talking about that same location I was at my first role in IT. Um, someone decided that because the Wi Fi sucked in the area that they were at to bring in their own Linksys router yeah. to get better Wi-Fi signal. Yeah. They just plugged it in. And yeah. it's like, seriously? And this is the stuff that we're dealing with. And, and it's it was completely unheard of to bring in uh, a, you know, BYOD, but then that's just been something that's necessary now. yeah, uh, And people want to be able to work from anywhere. I mean, my role here at Cisco, obviously I have to be able to work from anywhere. Yes. And I'm given those tools, but of course we need to do that in a secure fashion so that customer data... Per, uh, Intellectual property is, is safe and secure. Yeah. And that's that's a big task.
0: Absolutely is, yeah. I, I think that, you know, I remember the days of, uh, you know, you, you we started, here's your pager for work, right? <laughs> remember those days? And then it went to, here's a BlackBerry, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and here's a, you know, here's a doc, di- because we want you to be available and we want you to be able to connect to whatever it is, you know, be in contact uh, with work. Uh, and and then like you said yeah when the when the iphone came along it was kind of like uh, you know well i i don't i don't want to carry two things you know yep. why can't i just use my iphone and then i have one device and done you know mm-hmm. and and on one hand sure it saves the company a lot of money they're not buying blackberries anymore and all that kind of stuff and they're not paying for those things uh but at the same time it then gave them the the new headache of how do we secure this thing Right? How do we allow access to email securely for these devices that we don't control,
1: right? Yep. I think you hit the nail on the head because from the user side, right, the user is pushing for it, yeah. right? All of yeah. a sudden, as you said before, the, the difference was we were giving them, hey, here's your pager because we want to be able to get a hold of you. Hey, here's your BlackBerry because we want you to be able to work from anywhere. Yeah. Now the role has switched where they're like, well, hey, I want to use my iPhone. So the the user is pushing for the for the technology. Yep. The executives and the people making the decisions from a financial standpoint are like, well, hey, this is gonna save us money. We don't need this, we don't need that. Sure, do it. But IT is like, guys, we have <laughs> forever kept things <laughs> under lockdown. Like yes. we don't allow you to bring your laptop to work. Like, yeah. why on earth would I want them to bring their personal phone? Right. So it completely shifted the conversation. And I, I don't think anyone was really ready for it. I right. mean, a lot of i I've I think there's still companies out there today, customers that I deal with that really haven't grasped that either because it's right. like for whatever reasons wh- whether it's uh compliance issues or security concerns whatever they just haven't taken that turn but yeah in a lot of businesses out there you need to do that otherwise you're irre- you become irrelevant because yes. you can't uh, you can't go up to the digital transformation or whatever they call it now
0: yeah i think you also um it puts a great deal of strain on your wireless infrastructure that I, I don't think people really appreciate until they start doing it. You know, um, where you noticed there was a sudden change, like you said, when when all of a sudden everybody's phones could start connecting to to the Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> Just yep. the jump in the number of connections. Immediately, you're doubling the amount of connections that you've got, right? overnight it's everybody comes in with the phone especially in in our industry where everybody wants to have the latest and greatest or whatever hey my phone mm-hmm. connects to the wi-fi it's awesome i got
1: 16 cameras right? on the back of it yeah the-
0: <laughs> yeah that, that kind of stuff and and then all of us and because you'd already given people blackberries and then they're bringing in iphones at the same time right i mean and the laptop all those things yep. connecting to Wi Fi all at once puts a great deal of pressure on your Wi Fi infrastructure. So then you're having to upgrade that and make sure that you can handle all those things. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you've got other devices now that all of a sudden are Wi Fi enabled. I've got my little IP cameras over here up in the corner. We don't need, we can put our new security cameras in and we don't need to run wires any longer because it mm-hmm. can just connect to Wi Fi and it's all magic. Meanwhile, all magic. the IT staff are going, "Whoa, oh, whoa, hold on, <laughs> <laughs> pump the brakes, yeah, yeah, hold on there." You know, because you know, remember when you first put up Wi-Fi? It was it was pretty simple. Um, yeah, it was a usually a fairly flat network, um, and it was like, yeah, everybody's you know here are the guys with the laptops, and that's all you saw on that network. Was those Mm -hmm. guys, usually the sales guys coming in, they connect using Wi-Fi, they're they're all good to go, you know. Um, You know, if they come into the office a couple of times a week or something and that's when they connected, your Wi-Fi was pretty quiet that way. And then you started to see it kind of ramp up as more people were using laptops and it was convenient to use a laptop and going in and out of meetings with them, things like that. They could, you know, be, be constantly connected and all those things. And then you got the phones, and then it just went nuts from that point forward. Uh, And then, you know, you've got all kinds of devices now. And people, even to the point of um, when you have customers coming in, they're not necessarily connected to your Wi-Fi immediately, but they have a phone that's going, hey, I see your Wi-Fi, give me an IP address. And your Wi-Fi has to respond and say, no, sorry, can't right now. And it just keeps going like that. So just those kind of things. Um, You know, and then, and now... You know, the IT uh, staff has to segment its Wi-Fi networks in much the same way that you segment your wired networks too, you know, because Mm. you're saying, well, all right, well, these IP cameras I've got over here, I want them to be on their own little subnet inside my Wi-Fi. I've got, uh, you know, customers are coming in with, with the sales guys, they want to connect, so I'm going to have to provide them with some kind of guest network to access the internet. Um, right. You know, and, 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 how do I do that? Do I make it so that my, but they're on a guest network, but they connect using my corporate internet connection to the internet, or maybe do I need something separate to that, you know, that, right. that I have to use. So there were lots and lots of things, hidden costs I think was a big thing with wifi. Um, and there was a lot of hidden administration that nobody knew about, nobody expected before this kind of thing started happening. Right. Um, and, and even today I mean, it's, it's just gone overboard, I think, and the, the amount of things that, that need to connect and, and uh, get to the internet and over Wi-Fi is just is nuts. Absolutely incredible. I think if, if you just, just go home and open up your, your router at home, take a look at all the devices that are connected to your internet, actually, and I think a yep. lot of people are going to be really surprised, you know?
1: I'm 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 on I'm sure I'm on the high end, but I've got 24 devices on my Wi-Fi, mm. and then a bunch more hardwired in, mostly yeah. just from the the server infrastructure for my home lab here. But yeah, it's I mean even my Fitbit wants to connect to the right. Wi-Fi, and I just I tend to turn that off. I'm like there's just no need for it. Like, yeah. To do an update, it's a little bit faster over Wi-Fi than transferring over Bluetooth. I get that. Yeah. But I don't need it over the Wi-Fi, and when I actually put it on my IoT, um. My IoT wireless network—it yeah. couldn't talk to the phone, which was on my trusted wireless network. Right. So it was like no. there's absolutely no point in having this here. So <laughs> I just turned off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> there's just no, there's just no need for it. Right. I don't need this thing connected to the internet all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've no talk,
0: we've talked about it on Beers with us a few times, I think, and you know we've talked about does your television really need to connect to the internet or using Wi-Fi? Well, you know, sometimes maybe it depends on on what you want to do with it. Um, you yeah. know. Does, uh, does your fridge, does it really? You, you want your fridge ordering ordering automatically ordering food for you, you know, using your... Not wa- my uh. fridge. My,
1: I came home yesterday. My wife had the handle of the fridge in her hand. She's like, I don't know how this happened. I'm like, well, she's going to kill me for saying, I'm like, how hungry were you? I was just dying. I could not stop laughing. She comes around the corner. I just walk in the door. She's like, um... I don't know how this happened. <laughs> so, no, that fridge I do not want on the internet. No, definitely not. Yeah. You know, there will be like an episode of um, uh, Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, if you, anybody who has kids, right? Your kids now, you know, they've got a gaming system, you know, that needs to connect to the internet. You're probably going to use yep. Wi Fi, you know, because a lot of people, they won't. You won't have hardwired through the house. So, Wi Fi is convenient, um, mm-hmm. you know. Do your kids again have phones and stuff that are connecting? I mean, I've even seen, you know, things like um, bedside clock, for example. You know, yeah, that connecting to the internet because they want to get NTP to make sure that their time's correct.
1: Things like that—that's <laughs> <you laughs> a bit overkill, right? That's right. a bit overkill. You know, well, you
0: remember the ones uh, it was a long time ago? You could get the clock or even a wristwatch that connected to satellite to make sure that it was on exact. Time, you know,
1: I'm not. Oh, the, those atomic clocks. The that, atomic yeah, clock I, things, I, I never yeah. understood. It's my grandparents have one, right? And it's a half an hour off. Yeah. And I, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, it's got the little logo. Yeah. It's like, you know, always the correct time. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. What is that <laughs> did that signal turn off like 15 years ago? Because this right. thing is an hour and a half off right now. What the heck? Yeah. So, yeah, is, yeah. But I do remember those because they had, I mean, the big deal back in the day was the, uh, the alarm clocks yeah. that when they lose power, they would, you know, just flash 12, right? And yeah. You'd miss the alarm and you'd be late for work. Yeah. And then they brought them the, the battery backups. I had this one clock that when the battery backup was in it, it would actually go fast. So, like, it was a, within, and, like, I'm power. talking fast. Yeah. yeah, the extra power ended up, you know, <laughs> it wasn't designed correctly because the extra power ended up making the clock go faster, and, like, I'm talking within 24 hours, I'd be an hour and a half off. <laughs> it was it was bad. So then, of course, I'm like, well, that's kind of useless. And then they had uh, the other ones that would listen for that radio signal or whatever yeah. that would uh, synchronize its time. But mm-hmm. I guess that signal's not being broadcast no, anymore.
0: Yeah, I guess not, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, as I say, there's there's tons of stuff. Like, I think that, yeah, uh, you know, and 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 obviously, as people get more and more smart, ideas about those kind of things, we're going to see yeah. more and more stuff connecting to your Wi-Fi, and and those problems, you know, obviously, um, are compounded when you're talking about corporate networks. You know, with just with the amount of devices that need to connect, and and you know what you're going to allow, what you're not, and it's really important to kind of for people to to sit and think about these things carefully because like you said you you don't want to be that guy nobody does right you know you don't want right. to be saying oh no that's out of the question absolutely not allowed blah blah, blah right it's that's not going to fly in this uh, world you really have to be prepared and think about what you're going to do you know come up with a strategy and then execute on it you know for that kind of stuff make sure that you know what you're getting into uh, and that you're prepared to do it right and and you're uh, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to allow everything. You don't. You don't need to allow people to bring in a a, a fridge that's going to connect to the corporate network. You know, for whatever <laughs> reason. That's obviously you're not, you're going to say, listen, no, come on, stop. No, right. But yeah, you've got you're bringing in your your phone and that needs to be able to connect okay you bring in you know usually a company supplied laptop obviously that's going to connect and stuff like that and then you'll have devices which are needed for your business you know which need to connect like those security phones for example things like that Um, but you know, you just got to be prepared for that kind of thing. And then, you know, approach it like you do with your wired network, make sure that you've got things segmented off properly and and that, you know, where those connections are going to, And like I mentioned with the guest networks, you know, do you want that to go through your corporate internet connection or would you think it might be better to have a, bring in a, a, a DSL liner, um, bring in a, uh, you know, a cable connection, a business connection right. from the local cable company, for example. You're just Verizon, to physically separate whoever. it. Yeah, yeah, just to make it physically separate from the rest. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you're talking about your wired networks, for example, you're looking, uh, you're saying, well, segmentation, that's great. That's what you should be doing. Segment things off. Make sure you know where things are. These things are in a segment over here. These things are the same over here. And wherever you can, you're, go- you're looking to... Make those different segments, you know, actual physical separations, right? So you're looking at saying, all right, if I've got if I've got some guys over here, they want to play with malware. I don't want them anywhere near uh, any kind of, you know, segmentation that's been done logically, right? I don't want I don't want crossing VLANs or anything like that. I want to make sure that that's not possible for that to happen. So right. here's some physical stuff, and we'll put you over there. And if you want to connect to that then you see this jack down here on the, then you use that one. Right. Right. Um, you know, similar to how you would do say, uh, you know, video devices, you know, there's video devices are, can be a a real pain, you know, because they, they do want to be bandwidth hogs for obvious reasons. Right. They want to transmit video and stuff. It takes a lot more bandwidth. Um, and really that kind of traffic, you want to keep that Maybe separated along with your your VoIP traffic, you know, over uh, over your connections, over your corporate connections, because you don't. <clears throat> if if somebody's trying to get to uh, files on your internal file servers, um, you know, because to, in order to do their work, you don't want them to be slowed down by all of the video traffic that you've got going on, because somebody over here is is on a video conference call with ten other people who are you right. know, conferencing in, right? Um, so, you, you know, you could try to keep those things a little bit separate. Maybe you would have separate connections to the Internet for voice and data, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, video data that's maybe different to everything else. And then, of course, you you know, if depending on your situation with uh, everybody has a website, right? Everybody has an online presence, everybody... Kind of delivers, maybe delivers updates to customers using the internet, and they have locations to do that from. You know, again, that's stuff that maybe these days is housed in data centers, at least, or maybe it's uh housed in a cloud situation that is completely separate to everything else that you've got, right? For good reason, right. it's that kind, of, same kind of idea within your corporate network that you want to do with, you know, everything else that you've got. You know, make sure you actually. Separate and delineate the stuff as much as you possibly can, right? And that'll actually save you headaches in in the long run. I think it's it can be a lot of hard work in the beginning, and and especially and the other key thing here, documentation, right? Mm. And documentation yep. of stuff is absolutely vital, uh, um, and it's something that nobody wants to do because it's a there's a lot of work to it, and it's not the interesting cool stuff that you're doing. But, you know, you've got to do it, um, and it will save you a lot of problems later on down the road. Um, trust, yeah. trust me on that one, right? It's, uh, you, if you've got everything documented as to why you've done something, um, the reasons behind it, and, you know, uh, what it's actually there for, what it does, you know, anything uh, that you've got. When, you, when you're in a situation where somebody like Cisco comes in, maybe they purchase purchasing your company and you can turn around and say, here's the documentation that we have on all of our stuff and this is yeah. how it's done, right? That saves you a hell of a lot of time right there.
1: Mm-hmm. or even in an incident response kind of scenario yes. right where something does happen yeah. and that the, the the team comes in the you know they knock down the doors and they show up boots on the ground yeah. and you know, here you go here's here's the the network diagram here is you know the VLANs, yeah. here's where things are, here's everything.
0: yeah if
1: it's documented out, it makes it a lot easier to start working.
0: It absolutely on, does
1: uh, responding to that incident
0: yeah your response basically can start immediately The the guys right. who are coming in don't have to start doing the kind of reconnaissance work uh, in order to find out that information, right so right. they're immediately and don't forget you're paying these guys, right? So mm-hmm. you know you want to get they want them to be you know as as productive as possible from the word go uh, and if you are giving right. them that information up front, then you know, golden. Um, it's the same with any kind of disaster recovery, any disaster recovery plans that you have. It makes that a lot easier if something happens, you know, um, we get the building taken out by a meteor, for example, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever it might be, you have that information on hand and, and yeah. that, that you know what you need to recreate somewhere else in order to, to continue business operations, um, you know, make sure you don't you know, lose a bunch of stuff or whatever. Um but yeah, it's 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 uh and and plus the going to the the most likely scenario, which is somebody, you know, you have you have uh administrators set something up for somebody else in in the in the in your organization. They get them say databases and servers and things. They put them all together, they get all the information on there for them. They're all connected, they're all happy, they're all developing away. And then that that administrator leaves, and somebody else comes in, and then there is a problem, right, with what yep. he set up.
1: Knowledge walked out of the door with him.
0: Yeah, where is that going? Yep. You know,
1: or it's the same thing with contractors, right? If you have if you have a consultant or contractor coming in yeah. to set up a an application or whatever, right? As soon as they leave, and if that's not proper, properly documented or the training hasn't taken place, yeah. where you can actually hand off that knowledge, that knowledge walks out with right them.
0: Yep and then you end up paying more money for the consultants to come back again
1: <laughs> and tell you what they did that's how they right? do it that's you how know. I'm in the wrong business yeah, i got to be in the double consulting business yeah <laughs> sounds like a
0: good plan to me we should we should start yeah. that business up but uh, yeah the, the, you know things like that and and like i said it, it is an onerous task nobody wants to do it developers don't want to do it you know administrators don't want to do it sys admins network admins they don't want to do it uh, right. security guys Seem to be very keen on it, which is uh, which is kind of cool, you know. They're very keen on documentation, but probably because they've seen the impact of not having it. Right, they've been burned once. They, yes, and it only <laughs>
1: takes one burn, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm documenting everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let but, me ask you this, Nigel. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate it. What What would you give in terms of advice um, to Anyone who's listening, that maybe in a kind of a, a purchasing or, or budget decision-making mm-hmm. uh, field, right? What what would you say to them in terms of uh, you know any advice that you would have in regards to what we've talked about today?
0: Well, I think uh, first of all, get as many opinions from your subject matter experts as you possibly can, right? Mm-hmm. If if you're in a role where maybe you're not a technical person, but you're in charge of the purse strings right? And somebody comes in and says, we want this bit of new spiffy machinery, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. great. Uh, what do you know about this? Right? Right. Uh, who do who are you going to ask about this? What, what other options might there be on the table? And it really doesn't matter what, you know, what the thing is, right? Get as many of, uh, of those opinions as you possibly can get extra and make sure that you're making that right decision before you pull the trigger because things can get pretty expensive one way or another if you make a wrong decision, right? And, you know, um, also I think it, you you should be talking to uh, trusted vendors. And, and by that, I mean people you maybe you've had a, a longer relationship with. Um, you know, maybe uh, people with, with, it's easy to say good reputation, but, um, you know, and, and not discounting that people who are, who are new into a business, for example, especially you see a lot of new companies coming in security wise, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you do diligence really with those people and make sure that who you're talking to is is reputable, you know, make sure right. that they know what they're talking about. Um, yep, you know. And don't we've just, seen it a lot of times yeah. where
1: they'll. We've had companies come in and and tell them, "Oh yeah, we can do X, Y, and Z." And right, it's like no, right. You know, but I think as you said, reputable is, is is the term, right? Yeah. Make sure when they say, "Oh yeah, we can do this," yeah. you know, call them on it. So, oh, okay, show me. Right. You know, if I, you go with someone that's not going to, um, just try to to push a product on you yeah. just to you know bump up their number. That's what I like with my role at Cisco right I mean I'm in the sales department right i I'm, I work in sales, but i'm not pay my my pay is not based entirely on commission right it's more right. salary based i'm heavier heavier over there yeah. and I've told customers many times I'm like, listen, I want to be that trusted advisor to you i don't want to i don't want to try to sell you something you don't need I want to be like uh Macy's on the Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah. I want to tell you, we don't, we can't do it. Go to Gimbels, yes, right, yeah. because that's going to develop more trust between us. And I'll tell you if it's not going to work or not. If 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 we don't have the product for you, yeah. if it's not a good fit, I'll be the first to tell you. Right, that's it's, it's and that's how it should be.
0: It, it absolutely should. It, it's very important uh, that that happens. You know that that and and if somebody is coming in and and claiming making all kinds of claims, then yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, prove those claims to me. Right. show yep. me that what you're saying is true and that you know I'm not about to drop 20 million dollars on a bunch of stuff that doesn't do what you're telling me it does right I mm-hmm. mean I've seen that I've seen this happen over the years um, a few times um, people uh, uh, you know buying into a, sol- a solution a supposed solution and right. then having to then spend double the amount of money because it doesn't actually do what was claimed. And that, in order for it to do certain things, you now have to bring in consultants to customize your solution for you. And And pay for an
1: additional license. Yes.
0: Oh, well, you see, you only bought this. What you need to do is also buy this over here and this over here, and then we can get the guys in to build that for you, and then it'll do what you want it to do. Yep. Right? It's that kind of hidden cost stuff which you really got to be wary of. And like saying, you know, a lot of sales guys... Um, we'll turn around and tell you, listen, uh, this is what our stuff does, right? I, mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, I'm selling you what it does. If it doesn't do that, if it's not, doesn't fit your need, then okay. Uh, then maybe we're not the product for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll go about, you know, we'll go about our business. We'll go, you know, somebody else will buy our stuff. That's okay. You don't want to buy our stuff right now. It doesn't, it's not suitable. Right. Right. Um, but then you do get people who come in and will tell you anything that they possibly can to get a sale. That's what they—that's yep. what they're interested in. They're not in you or the solution or the technology or anything like that. They just want to get a sale, right? And that's what yep. you're trying to weed out. You're trying to not do not buy from those people. You want to make sure that you're buying the right thing. For your situation, and you know, it's not—it's not a horrible thing to do to look around at different vendors and see what what goes on and and what they have on offer, and um, you know, make your decisions based on who's the cheapest, for example. Right.
1: Yeah, I w- I'm glad you mentioned that because it's it's not always just about who is the least expensive right. option,
0: right? Yeah, you know, it's it's very attractive, you know, to go, hey, that's the cheapest one we can buy. Let's let's get that one. It does all the same stuff. Right. Well, that and that's usually when you find out, well, it doesn't actually, and, and if you want it to do all the same stuff, well actually it costs more than the other solution because we have to do more in order to get it to that point and we have to do more customization for you, right? And that's mm-hmm. there are hidden costs there. Um but yeah, you know, it's get as much advice as you can and you know. If anybody makes any claims, call them on it, right, and yep. and and really get to know the salesperson and the sales engineer that usually accompanies them, uh, you know, as as people, and make sure that, that usually, you know, you can tell that uh, somebody's genuine and and you know is is not giving you duff information, right? You know, do right. do all that kind of homework, as much homework as you possibly can before you pull the trigger on anything. <coughs>
1: I think that's great advice, Nigel. And I I really appreciate that. And again, I, I appreciate you taking the time today to uh, to speak with me, have you on the podcast. Um, I think we're going to wrap this one up. But is there any final thoughts or anything you'd like to to say in closing here t- uh, today? Um, sure. Yeah.
0: You know, I think uh, from what we've talked about today, you know, it's a case of document everything that you do. Be be careful. Think about what you're doing. You know, uh, consider your 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 actions i mean it's kind of the very generic stuff i think you can probably apply to just about anything in your life you know consider what you're going to do because it has ramifications down later in life right so think about what you're doing write everything down um we'll get craig in the end with the machines uh
1: i I was gonna say his has his car exploded yet i know he just got a new one
0: yeah (laughs) not yet you know the old one did but not this one um (laughs) We're just waiting. We're just waiting. We know it'll happen, right? And uh, you know, and and don't trust Mitchell. Yeah, tell you what. He just tell you he'll tell you anything. When he says he's editing the podcast, nonsense. You know what he's doing on YouTube. That's what he's dope to.
1: YouTube and Reddit. That's right. Well, if you if you want to hear more of Nigel's uh wisdom and uh uh, and single source of truth over there on the, the <laughs> Beers with Talos podcast. Uh, make sure you check it out. Again, that's Beers with Talos available on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you find this podcast also. So, um, Nigel, thanks again. Sure. And thank you for listening to Confetti with URSE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conftea.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get notified when we publish an episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.